If you do what you sing, the devil won't be happy, I promise you that. Uh, just before I get preaching tonight, um, Brother Martin is celebrating 25 years of being in ministry. The first week in May, I'm going to try to schedule him to preach on a Wednesday night. I don't have that set yet, Rebecca, but um, if we can get your dad, so I know he's going to be here. But church family, if you could write a note, maybe how the Lord used him to influence your life or something. Rebecca's trying to put something together for her father after 25 years of ministry and evangelism. Maybe a service the Lord dealt with you. Maybe a decision that you made that was life-changing. Um, doesn't have to be really long or anything like that. And then... Uh, we'll probably on that Wednesday night uh, do cake or something. I might find out what the Lord wants, but we'll probably, if we don't take the offering up that night, I might do it ahead of time. But think about it, Lord, have you give something? Maybe we could be a blessing to um, Brother Martin. He's been a blessing to our church. I just, uh, there's no doubt about it. A blessing to me personally. And the camp, ever since the camp started, Brother Martin has uh, advised us and helped us and then directed it. And he just has been a, just a huge help to our ministry and Again, uh, I think on the 25th, it'd be a good time for us to kind of show that our appreciation for him. Uh, tonight, if you got your Bible, turn to 1 Kings with me tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 20. 1 Kings chapter number uh, 20 this evening. I want to look at uh, this story. Uh, we're going to look at a story within a story uh, here in 1 Kings chapter number uh, 20. We'll not read the entire chapter. While you're turning there, can I just uh, explain the story? Uh, in 1 Kings 20, you have the story of Ahab. Ahab is going to go to battle. Um, King Ben-Hadad made some statements that God heard and God wasn't happy with uh, as if Ben-Hadad could defeat the children of Israel on his own. And so, by the way, Ahab was a bad king, but uh, Ben-Hadad, God didn't like what he said, so God is going to use Ahab to defeat Ben-Hadad and uh, defeats the army. You're going to find out in this passage here. I'll just point out a couple of verses and then we'll pray. But verse number 21 of 1 Kings 20 Um, In the first battle, verse 21, it says, And the king of Israel went out and smote the horses and chariots and slew the Syrians with a a great uh, slaughter. Um, And, of course, there was just a few of the children of Israel. I don't have time to read the passage tonight. I don't think the Lord would have us do that. But the next time they go to battle, in verse number 23, The servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we, but let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they. Well, obviously, that's not the case because God's always stronger whether he's in the plains or the hills, all right? So look with just the outcome of the next battle, verse number 29. It says, and uh, I, I like this, verse 27, and the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went out against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids, but the Syrians filled the country. Uh, Verse 28, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys, therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched one over against the other seven days, and so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. Now you'd think that would be enough, but I like verse 32. But the rest fled to Aphek into the city, and there, there a wall fell upon 20 and 7,000 of the men that were left. And Ben Hadad fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. So 127,000 Syrians are killed, and that was God's way of saying, I just want you to know who's the boss. All right, now look at verse 31. 
It says, and his servants, this is the servants of Ben-Hadad, and his servants said unto him, Behold, now we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads and go out to the king's, king of Israel. Peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins, put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Ben-Hadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, now this is what Ahab said, and he said, Ahab, is he yet alive? He is my brother. All right, now church family, you didn't have time, maybe just before the service, to read all that's taken place. Ben-Hadad wanted to annihilate Ahab and the children of Israel. I mean, this was not his brother. This was his enemy, all right? And more so because God's not happy with Ben-Hadad. The prophet just got done telling Ahab before the second battle, hey, listen, they're going to die. They're not going to succeed because God's not happy. They think that he's only a God or not a God of the hills and the plains. Now, look what he says next. In verse number 133, now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, thy brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, go ye bring him. Uh, then Ben-Hadad came forth to him and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said unto him, the cities which my father took from thy father, I will restore. Chichemi, if you've just lost 127,000 people, you're not really in a good position to restore much. All right. This this was this was not even logical, whether regardless of being spiritual, it wasn't even logical that Ben Hadad even had a leg to stand on. Look what look what Ahab does now, uh, in verse number thirty four, middle of the verse. Then said Ahab, last part of the verse, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him, and sent him away. All right. Now, church, I mean, that's the story, and so God is now going to send a prophet to the children. I'm sorry, a prophet to Ahab. Um, to the Israel too, but to a prophet to Ahab, and he's going to tell him another story. All right? Now, this is the message tonight. I want you to focus in on the second story. All right? Now, look at the story. Look at your Bible. First Kings 20. Let's pick it up. I'm going to pick it up in verse number 38, just specifically the story. All right, verse 38. So the prophet departed, verse 38, and waited for the king by the way and disguised himself with ashes upon his face. And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king, and he said, now listen, to the, here's the story, verse 39. Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me, and said, Keep this man, if by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. All right, now, I hope you understand what the story is saying here. This man of God disguises himself, he stops Ahab, and he tells them th this story, thinking that the story's about him. Hey, listen, I was, in this, I was in the battle, and in the battle, I was given a prisoner, and I didn't keep the prisoner because I was busy, and the prisoner got away, and now they either want to kill me or make me pay a price. And King Ahab looks at him and says, you've, got, you've done your own judgment. In other words, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, so now you have to pay the penalty. All right, now look what happens next in verse number uh, 41. And he, the prophet, and he hasted and took the ashes away from his face. And the king of Israel discerned him that he was of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Who did God appoint to utter destruction? King who? King Ben-Hadad. I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. I want to teach for just a little bit tonight on this, on the principle of the, uh, one, there's several principles in the story, but a principle in the story I want you to see is this, responsibility. 
That man in the story was responsible to keep somebody else and he did not fulfill his responsibility and there's a price to be paid. I want to talk to you on that thought this, this evening on you're responsible. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, help us from your word as a Christian. And uh, Father, what the responsibilities that you've given us. And we've got a host of responsibilities. Father, help us to see tonight what you've given us and you've made us responsible for. And Father, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to be responsible. Thank you for your child. Uh, Father, again, speak to us in a real way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, in our day today that we're living in, we have a lot of people that live their lives and it's all about them. They don't want to take responsibility and they don't want to be accountable. I want to tell you something. If you're a Christian in here, you are responsible. There's a responsibility that's given to you. God's given you responsibility. And I think the utmost, that if we want to sum up our responsibility, it's simply to do the will of God for your life. You're responsible for that. I have children. Many of you have children. We give our children responsibilities that they have to take care of. And sometimes we call them chores. Sometimes we call them uh, uh, work around the house. But we give them re a responsibility. By the way, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Amen. It's good for our children to learn responsibility because that's life. As, as, as people get older, uh, they're, they're given responsibility. I'm very thankful for the staff at the Heritage Baptist Church, and all of them do very, very well. But, you know, I, uh, I'm not a very, uh, I would consider myself not very organized, but I have a sense of organization. And when I have something, I, I've got a whole list of Mrs. Selim. I've got things, things for her on my list right now. I've got things for Joy on my list right now. I've got things, I think, for Joshua on my list right now. And I put them on a list. And then what I do is, is when I see them, I sit down or I, I call them. I say, listen, I need you to get this done, this done, this done, this done. And when I get that done, I take it off my list. And the reason for that is I, I'm expecting that the staff is going to be responsible for what I give them. Now, I want to tell you something. There's times uh, that they'll either forget. I'm sure it's not because of lack of character. But uh, there are times that they will not get something done that I want done. All right? And a couple weeks will go by, and I'll remember. And I'll say, hey, didn't I ask you to take care of this? You know what they didn't do? They didn't fulfill the responsibility. Can I tell you God's given you a responsibility? And he's giving you responsibility in your life, and that responsibility you should take care of. Now, tonight, I want to look at this story, and I want you to see what God was trying to tell Ahab about his responsibility. All right, now let's quickly look at these things together. All right, you got your Bible, and we're in 1 Kings chapter number 20. Look at verse number 39. Look at the story again, just the first part. And as the king passed by, he cried the prophet, he cried the prophet unto the king, that's Ahab, and he said, Thy servant went out into the what? midst of the battle. Now, church family, can I just remind you, parallel with the story tonight, you are in a battle. And the responsibility that you've been given is because we're in a battle. This is a fight in the Christian life. Church family, this is not some, you know, I'm saved and it doesn't matter. No, you're saved and you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for your works as far as what you did for Christ when you stand before the Lord. It, this is not just about your life, living your 70 years here. It's what God wants for eternity. Can I also remind you tonight, I think it's very clear in Scripture without going to all the Scriptures, that God says at the judgment seat of Christ, it's where the rewards are going to be passed out. Those rewards are passed out for how we live our life for God now, and it's based upon our works as far as what we're doing for Christ. I think that those works have everything to do with the, the, the millennial reign of Christ when he says that we're going to live and reign with him. I think it's also interesting in Revelation chapter 22 that when we're beyond the millennium, and we have a new heaven, new earth, and that we are forever with God, that God says that we are also going to reign with him, even throughout eternity. Now, 
I want to tell you, it's, it's going to be, and I don't think we're going to have regrets with our glorified body, to be honest with you. I don't think we're going to live in misery or grief because of what we did in our physical lifetime compared to our spiritual lifetime. But I do understand, and I do believe this, is that how we live for God now is going to determine what we're going to do forever. Now, I'm going to just tell you, it's not a light thing in the Christian life for us just to act like it doesn't matter. We are in a battle. Those boy, the young men that just sang a few moments ago, as far as being chosen, as far as being doing, as far as they've chosen God and doing what God, I hope they're right. I hope they're telling the truth. Because I want to tell you, we're, we're, uh, God wants us to live our lives first, and there's a battle going on, and Satan is just as real today as he's always been. And what he did to Eve in the Garden of Eden by being deceitful, hath God said, and trying to get her to trip up, all of that has never changed. We look through the scriptures on how many times Satan wants to trip you up. I was at the platform a moment ago, and I was just thinking about, uh, uh, whenever I don't, uh, I'm trying, I asked the Lord if I should be so candid, but uh, whenever I don't get my prayer time complete, uh, like through uh, today, I've already prayed A through uh, N is done, A through N, and so if you are O through Z, and that's your last name, I haven't prayed for you, so um, you're going to die. All right, so anyway, um, but uh, I'm going to pray, Lord, God's grace, I'm going to pray for you. So I'm sitting up here. And I'm thinking about, before the service, of who I haven't prayed for yet. And uh, I got to the S's while I was up here, and I was praying for Brother Stumfel. Brother Stumfel had walked back. And I want to, and Brother Stumfel's in the back right now. And Brother and Sister Stumfel are in that era of life where their children are grown and they're gone. But, but I was thinking, I don't know why, but just thinking when he passed the glass door in the back after the offering, that Satan would like to destroy Brother Stumfel. He said, well, these kids are grown and gone. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling tell you tonight, it doesn't matter how old you are, Satan wants to devour you, to destroy you. We know that from 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. You have to have the mindset that you're in a battle, and it's a fight. And as a Christian, the responsibility that God's given us is because there's a battle. Do you feel me? If, if there was no battle, there was no fight, there was nothing to do, you would have no responsibilities. We would just live this life as this old adage goes, eat, drink, and be merry. It wouldn't matter, but it does matter. It is important. It's important what you do, and it's important what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see in the story here that there's a, a battle going on. And, of course, we understand that from 2 Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. In 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. There's a battle going on. We must fight that battle. Sometimes you, we excuse or maybe justify why we're having problems in our life or why things aren't going like they should. You don't have to justify. It's a fight. It's a battle. Satan doesn't want you to succeed. And sometimes the problems that you're going through, whether it's an offense with some other Christian or whether you're having problems at your work, sometimes it's just real simple. The devil wants to discourage you. He doesn't want you to win the battle. All right, now look at the next thing here. He says next this in verse number 39. He says, And as the king passed by, the king cried unto the king, and he said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said. Now look at the next three words. He said, Keep this man. And if any by, by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. Now, I find that the statement is very particular. He said, keep this man. So I see that in the story here, that first of all, we're in the midst of a battle. But second of all, I, receive, I see that the, in the story, and I'm getting this the parallel tonight, we're responsible for men. 
Now, church family, I, I, I could be missing something tonight, but the three that stand out in the scripture the most to me as far as the responsibility of mankind for us, which you would already say if I never said them, all right, is number one of the responsibility that we look through the scriptures, responsibility number one is that children that God has given us. There is a responsibility for this man. I'm not responsible, that's number three, but as, as members of the body here, you are not responsible for somebody else's children, but you are responsible for your children. Are you all with me tonight? Uh, church family, it's not your responsibility on how another child is educated, but you are responsible for how your child is educated. You are not responsible for what another child does in this church, but you are responsible for what your child does in this church. You know why? Because if they're your children, God made you responsible. Um, I all, many times just want to remind the young people of our church that you cannot grow up and blame all of your failures on your parents by just saying, well, they're responsible. That's why I turned out like I did. You turned out like you did because you made a choice. You made a choice. Do right, do wrong. You made the choice. And I'm just, again, as parents, there is a, remind, a point of responsibility. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There, as, a, as a parent, I'm supposed to train. The Bible says I'm supposed to teach. The Bible says I'm supposed to talk, which means to answer. The Bible says I'm supposed to tell, which means to command. As Genesis talking about Abraham, as far as commanding. Hey, listen, I'm going to stop real quickly here. I know this is another message, but I just want to remind us that your children are not your buddy. Your children are your children. I don't have to get my children to agree with me. I, I'm the parent. They're the child. We, we, if we're not careful, especially the older they get, I, my kids are getting to the place where they're getting to be taller than I am. All right? But I want to tell you, I don't care how tall they are, they're still a kid. And the reason they're still a kid is because God put them into my home and the day's going to come that they're going to go away. But listen, we've got to make sure that if those children are in our home and we're the ones that are raising them, that we do what the Bible says about Abraham as God said that he knew. He says, I know Abraham, that he will command his children. The word command in Genesis, I think it's chapter 18, verse 19, I think. But in, the word command means to constitute. He says, I know Abraham. He'll command his children. He'll give the constitution of the home. It's the supreme law of the home, just like our constitution of the United States, the supreme law of the land. Do you understand the parent needs to be the parent? Now, with that said, I just want you to think about, yes, there is a responsibility, a responsibility for our children and training them and nurturing them in the admonition of the Lord. But there's also a responsibility to the lost. We understand that from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, where the Bible says that if the watchman does not blow the trumpet, that their blood will be on his hands. And the parallel there, that we're supposed to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't tell people about Jesus Christ, their blood will be upon our hands. Right. I want you to see this verse because to me it's, uh, it's, it's important, but it's also uh, uh, very clear. I want you to look, turn your Bible real quickly here to this verse. It's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 5. Let's turn over there. I'm going to come back to the story. But 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 5, Paul says something that I think is uh, worth reading tonight. Uh, well, it's all worth reading, but I want you to see it tonight, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 5. It says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye, what's the word? All right, now it's by ministers or servants by whom you believed. And then the last phrase, let's read it out loud together, ready? Even as the Lord gave to. Now, I don't know, if you, I don't know if that, what that means to you, but here's what it means to me. God gave people to us to make sure they get saved. God does the saving. God's the one that draws. But he says that we are ministers to those who believe because God's given to every man a person. 
Now, I want to tell you something. You're responsible to make sure you get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And uh, your, uh, if I can say your group or your people uh, that God wants you, you might not know who they are. All right? It might be a family member. It might be a friend. It might be a coworker. But I'm just trying to tell you that God already knows who you're responsible for. Can, can I tell you that when this fellow was in the war and he's again giving this illustration that, of what Ahab had just done by sparing Ben-Hadad, he's telling the story. He says, listen, I was in the battle and I was given this man. Church man, we've been given a responsibility. Young people in here, I know you don't have any children, but you're just as responsible as a parent is when it comes to giving the gospel. Hey, if you're in junior high or high school, just stand up. You're in school, junior high and high school. Stand up for a second here. Junior high and high school. Hey, listen, young people, look at me. I'm going to illustrate with you standing for just a moment here, okay? Your parents love you. I know some of you look unlovable, but they do. Okay? They love you. And I know you think sometimes your parents are really hard-nosed, and your parents, you know, they just tell you what to do. But I want to tell you something. Most of you have your parents wrapped around their little, your little finger. All right? Now, I'm not being critical tonight, but you know what's crazy to me? At, at a 7th grade through 12th grade, you have an opportunity to get the gospel of the world, and your parents would allow you to do it, but you have no interest in doing it. Can I just tell you, you're responsible. And we can get on your parents all at once. Well, my parents, they don't come to sewing, or my parents, they don't come to, uh, uh, come to do the door hanger, or my parents aren't involved. Hey, listen, can I just tell you, if you asked your parents, half you'd be there. Right. If you asked. Right. You know, the problem is you don't want it. Now, you may be seated for just a moment here. Hey, parents, let me, let me help you out here, okay? Uh, going back to this thing about training our children. When your kids are sick, do you, do you ask them, would you like to go to the doctor? Is that what you do? You know, I know you're not feeling really well. What do you think? Let's go to the doctors and give you a shot. Is that what you do? When your kids get up in, in the morning, I mean, it's a school day, do you, when they get up and you say, hey, how do you feel today? Would you like to go to school so the teacher can give you quizzes and tests? Is that what you do to your children? You know, it's funny, you don't even think about asking them when it comes to school or when it comes to, or comes to going to the doctor because you know what's best for them. Well, I want to tell you something. If you know what's best for them physically, you also know what's best for them spiritually. Amen. Now, listen, you brought them to church tonight. I'm glad. Now, of course, our kids are the same way. My kids have never, ever come to me and said, we going to church tonight? That's never, ever happened. Never once, okay? Don't even ask me, just so you know, okay? I see my kids thinking right now. And by the way, I think your kids are the same way. Most, you're here on a Sunday night. Most of you, you are so faithful. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. The kids don't get up and say, are we going to church tonight? They don't, that, even, that question is not even there. Okay, but parent, you bring them to church because you know what's good for them. Can I just tell you, it's still good for our young people to run a bus route. It's still good for our children to go soul winning. It's still good for our children to do door hangers. Well, they don't really want to. Well, my kids don't like going to school, but I make them go to school. And I'll be, I'll be quite frank with you. There's times my kids don't want to do door hangers. But you know what? I'm still dad. You still have two feet, and I still put food in your mouth. Get out there and put some door hangers on some doors. Well, I don't want to do that to my kid. What's going to happen to them? You know what might happen to them? They might get a habit of giving the gospel to other people, and beyond your household, they might still be thinking about the loss going to hell after they leave your home. You know what might just happen? They might get some rewards in heaven because somebody picked up a gospel track that they don't even know who they are, but they read the back of the track and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, and there's fruit that's going to bound to their account when they get to heaven. Amen. Well, we just don't know who gets saved. God does. Hey, listen, I know COVID has put a lot of things to a halt, 
But I want to tell you something. You better be looking for ways to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Because if the lost and dying world wants to take away the prison and the jail and the nursing home and all these other avenues that we were able to get into, you still need a way to get the gospel to people. People are still being born and people are still dying. You say, why is it important? Because keep this man means we have a responsibility for mankind. We have responsibility when it comes to children. We have a responsibility when it comes to the lost souls. I'm going to just tell you this because it's in the scripture. But I have a responsibility when it comes to the flock of God. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Hey, listen, I'm going to say this and keep going church family, but I want to tell you something. There's sometimes that you need to hear things that you don't like to hear. And I want to tell you something. I'm not the best personality to be able to do, to be able to tell you things. But at this point, if I'm the pastor of the church, sometimes there's things that just need to be said. All right. Like for instance, okay, I think the young people of our church should be going soul winning. You say, where do you get that? I get that from Jesus Christ when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And young people, I just want to tell you as your pastor, I blame you. I don't blame your parents. I blame you. I blame you as a young person because if you're in the seventh grade on up, you have a choice in what you do because when you really want to do something, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about just anything. A lot of times you can get, you can, and by the way, even if you didn't get your way, when's the last time you asked? Tonight, there's a responsibility. I have a responsibility as a parent to my children. I have a responsibility to the lost and dying world, and I have a responsibility to you. I have a responsibility to tell you exactly what the word of God says, and this is what we need to obey. And I want to teach you that we need to take the responsibility that God given us and not take it lightly. We're responsible. <clears throat> look at something else here. It's kind of interesting in this verse. Look at the, uh, verse 39 again. I'm just going to pick it up in the last part of the verse where it says, keep this man. It says, keep this man. If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life. Now look at the penalty. Then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. I see that there is a cost to shirking our responsibility. Do you, understand, do you see that in the story here? This was not a matter of, I didn't know. This was not a matter of ignorance upon the, in the story form here. This was not a matter of ignorance on the person who was supposed to keep the prisoner. I didn't know I was supposed to keep him. It wasn't a matter that he did not know. It's a matter that he shirked the responsibility that he was given. Can I just tell you that there is a cost to not fulfilling our responsibility? In, this, in, in life, the response, sometimes the cost is grief. Sometimes it's regret. Things I wish I would have done differently. But in the life to come, it's a loss of reward. And for the lost, it's, it's, it's the loss of heaven. And of course, them going to hell. So we have to understand that there is a responsibility. You know, I'm going to read this verse to you real quick. You know, turn to it. But Matthew 18 says this, but whoso, verse 6, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, that word offend, when he's talking about children there, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones, God says that when a person offends a little one, that word offend means to entrap, to trip up, to stumble or entice to sin. You know, it is a great responsibility that we as parents, that if we are not what we are supposed to be and we cause our children to trip up. How many times have you heard me use the statement, generational sins? You know, we understand what generational sins are. Generational sins is simply a sin that you have in your life. And 
in, in the easiest definition, a sin that you have in your life that gets passed on to the next generation, gets passed on to the next generation. In other words, there has to be a generation that breaks that generational sin. In other words, what is that pull that you have in your life? Our children have a tendency to be and to do what we are. You ever heard the statement before? He acts just like his father. Now, when somebody makes that statement, he acts just like his father. We all understand that that, that to be a compliment. When somebody says, that girl acts just like her mother. Okay, usually we're always using that in a negative sense, and that's because generational sins. We, in other words, somebody has something in their life that they do that is really not as pleasing to others, and that, then one of the children pick that, pick that particular thing up in their life. So can I just, again, this idea when it comes to our children, we're responsible for our children. We're supposed to try to break those generational sins, not feed those generational sins. Why? Because there's a cost involved. That cost might be in your children. That cost might be in your grandchildren. There's also a cost involved when it comes to the blood being upon our hands, standing at the judgment seat of Christ, when it comes to those who are lost. Church family, I'm, I'm pleased with you this morning as far as our visitors that came. I think that you were a good testimony to them. You walked up. You were friendly to them. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. There might have been a couple that still were lost this morning. Nobody uh, um, well, excuse me, there was one, but there was, uh, out of all the visitors the first time here, we didn't, didn't have anybody raise their hand that said they were not saved. But I appreciate your concern for that. I appreciate you being, many, many a time you'll walk up to a visitor and after talking to them for a little bit, just ask them, hey, listen, are you a believer? Do you know Christ is your Savior? You've been saved. Those things, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think that, listen, if you can't confront somebody about salvation at church, where can you confront them? That's right. We, we're responsible. Every Sunday school teacher that teaches at the Heritage Baptist Church, when they get before their class, they don't just have a responsibility to the saved folk that are in that class that are church members. They have a responsibility to every lost person in that class that they make sure that they tell that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There's a responsibility there. Keep this man. I don't know who the this is, but I understand from the story here that the responsibility of, just like Ahab had the responsibility. Think about this, church family. How many people died in that first, uh, this, I'm sorry, in the second battle? How many people died of the Syrians? How many? 127,000. I would say Ahab did pretty good then. 127,000 Syrians died. But you know what God said? You didn't take care of the one man that I gave you the responsibility for. I don't care if 127,000 people died. You let Ben-Hadad go. Hey, Who's God made you responsible for? Now, the three that are clear in Scripture is children, lost, flock. But are you taking the responsibility serious as far as what God gave you the responsibility for? Fellas, you're responsible for that home. Those precious souls we call children, you're responsible. Ladies, if your husband's not taking the responsibility... You be his better half and help out, but there's a responsibility there. The lost people that we meet on a regular basis, do you, do you leave here and when you go to a fast food place or post office, grocery store, whatever, when you talk to people in the back of your mind, do you wonder, is that person going to hell or is he going to heaven? Uh, uh, tonight, I'm not, uh, I get under conviction from these messages also. I was gone uh, the other day and at the end of the day, it was, I don't know if it was yesterday before, to be honest with you, but 
I could, if I stopped and think, I could figure it out. But yesterday before, at the end of the night, I laid my head down on the pillow. And I don't know why the Lord does this to me. Sometimes he does it all the time. But I kept seeing those faces of the three people that I didn't give a gospel track that I came in contact with that day of the three. And I, there were people I did give tracks to, but I, I could almost like see those people. I laid my head down at night and I, I could remember those three people that I talked to. I wish I could stop for a moment and just remember them and tell you who they were. I didn't know them personally, but that I came across and I never even asked them, never gave them a track, but they are living souls that one day they're going to be in heaven or hell. And by the way, if he does that to me, he does it to you. Amen. That God says, keep this man, guard. The word keep means guard, hedge, protect. He says, you're, you're, you're what's supposed to take care of this man. I see in this little story that there, we're in the midst of a battle. I see in the story that we're responsible for men. I see in the story that there's a cost to shirking our responsibility. Last of all, I want you to see verse number 40. This is kind of interesting. Verse 40, it says, And as thy servant was, what's the word? Busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. Last of all, I, I, in this little story, within a story, he says, Being busy doesn't take away our responsibility. Being busy does not take away our responsibility. Hey, I have people ask me this all the time. How's your day going? Oh, it's going good. You got a lot going on today? You know, we all have a lot going on. All right, now, our a lot is different things. It's not that we're not busy. Now, unless you're lazy, all right? If you're lazy and you're not doing anything, then you've got other problems, okay? But can I tell you something? The Christian life is usually not about laziness as much as it is about busyness. You know, in other words, it's not like I'm, you're sitting at home doing nothing. It's a matter of, okay, I've got this to do today, I've got this to do today, I've got this to do today, I've got this to do today. But wait a second here, what's your responsibility? What has God made you responsible for in that we allow busyness to get, a person once said this, I don't know who said it, but if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I want to tell you, sometimes we get so busy that we miss out on or miss doing what God really wants us to do. Remember Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 41? He says, And Jesus answered and said unto, unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing. He just said, Don't miss out on the one thing. Now, of course, we know the one thing there is sitting at the feet of Jesus hearing his word, but don't miss out on the one responsibilities that God has given to you personally. Church family, um, so you guys are a little tired tonight. I'm almost done. I appreciate you staying with me tonight. You two fellas, help me out here. Brother Curtis, help me out here for just a moment here. I've illustrated this before, but I just want to just remind you something here. Okay, you're on my left, you're on my right. Church family, you are in the center uh, of life, and um, just pretend there's somebody behind me also. You're in the center of life, and God has given you a circle of influence. All right, now everybody has a circle of influence, okay? And we can say this side of the circle of influence is family. This circle, side of the circle of influence uh, might be your job or occupation. Uh, this side of the circle of influence is friends. And, you know, again, this circle, side of the uh, circle of influence could just be simply the people that you know that you meet on a regular basis, all right? Church family, I go to the McDonald's on the Oasis because it's the only place I can go in and sit down early in the morning. And I'm there every day. I mean, there's, I can't think of a day I wouldn't be there, but I'm there almost every day of the week. They know me when I come in. In fact, at the Oasis, 
uh, just about every day, they give me my drink free. They consider me a regular. <laughs> I walked in this morning. They said, and they know what I want. I, I'm trying to get away from soda in a little bit, but anyway, I'm trying to get away from soda. So I go in there and I get an, un, now don't, don't throw stones, okay, but you, you health nuts. Um, but I get an unsweetened tea, extra ice, and four equal. I know equal is going to kill me, but so is sugar, and so is everything else. Okay, so I have, I have an unsweetened tea right now. That's where I'm at in life, because sweet tea is really the better way to go, because Amen. pure sugar helps a pure body. Right. And so, um, but right now, I'm trying to stay away from sugar a little bit. And so, so as soon as I walk in, guy, guy looks at me and says, unsweetened tea, four equal? They do that every morning. I said, Yep. He comes over, hands it to me. I said, uh, I, do I supposed to pay for this? No, it's for you. Go ahead. I go, and they, they almost every morning. I see them on a regular basis, right? I mean, we, we know each other. They'll come over to my table and start talking, okay? I'm responsible for them. You know why? Because that's part of my circle of influence. If you walk into the McDonald's on the Oasis, they aren't giving you nothing. <laughs> Zero. You're paying for it. All right, you know why? They're not part of your circle of influence, okay? So I have a circle of influence in my life. Now, can I tell you, if I, just, if I was to move over here and we were to put Brother Johnson Sr. over here, he has a circle of influence. Now, I'm just trying to tell you, you're responsible for your circle. Hey, listen, there's some of you I know me personally, I don't know your circle of influence. I don't know your family very well. I don't know your friends very well. I don't know your occupation very well. But they know you and you know them. You're responsible for those children. You're responsible for those coworkers. You're responsible for that family of yours. You should be praying for them. You should know that they're saved. You should give your testimony. You should tell people. You know why? Because God said, keep this man. You're responsible. If you're a young person in here and you think, well, your circle of influence is a lot smaller, it doesn't matter how small it is, you still have a circle of influence in your life that you're responsible for. And I don't care how busy you become, you know what's going to happen? Do you notice the phrase in the verse? I think it's three words. Keep this man. He said, keep this man. And he said, I got busy. Read, read from busy, Brother Nair. You got it there, Handy? He said, I got busy here and there. He was gone. I'm just trying to tell you that this circle that you have right now, it's not always going to be here. And when it's gone, it's gone. So your opportunity is now. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate your help. Maybe see you. Ladies, I know you're stuck at home with all those children. Husband goes out and work. You still have a circle of influence. There's, you still have people that you're responsible for. Hey, listen, don't act like a hermit. You're responsible. You're responsible to tell people about Jesus Christ. You're responsible to take care of those children and train them up for, for God. You're responsible. Don't, miss, don't say, well, I'm, I was busy doing this, I was busy doing that. How many of you, your kids are grown and gone out of the house? Would you raise your hand? Well, you all look so happy. You that raised your hand, would you agree that it was like a flash of time from the time you had them? It just seemed like time went, came and gone, and now all of a sudden they're gone. Would you say it went that fast? That, that uh, uh, pressure is not the right word, but that, that thought 
is so much on me. Brother Morgan, your kids are starting to grow up and they're gone. And I was spent some time with Mr. Dillon and was talking about Corey, Matt, and Adam and Emily today. And I remember when they were in our church, and I never saw them when they were really small, but got to see them grow up end of their teen years and that. And they're gone. And now empty nesters. Time goes that fast. Our responsibility is limited. They're gone. We've got to make sure we do the best we possibly can. I, mean, I know you and I are different, but sometimes I feel bad when my kids say, you want to go on a bike ride? And I say, not really. <laughs> Jacob is still young and Constance and, of course, Elena starting to run all over the place. You know, them running all over the place right now is not a bad, t- bad thing for the two of you because you can still run. Give it a few years, you won't be running. Those days are gone. We're responsible. I want to make sure that in the short time that I have to live, I want to make sure I'm pleasing the Lord and make sure I take the responsibilities of the people that God's placed in my life. And by the way, for me, you are my responsibility. For you, it's your children. For you, it's that lost person. And so that circle of influence. Make sure that you don't get so busy that they're gone. Because I want to tell you something. According to that story, you're going to pay a price. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this evening?